Welcome to The Numbers Game. I'm Jace, and as always, I'm joined by my trusty co-hosts, Nick and Marty. How are we going today, boys? Going well, thanks, Jace. Uh, big podcast today. You know, sometimes we talk about the good things that happen in business and sometimes the bad things. And, um, yes. Sometimes we need to shut them down. Other times we need to grow them. But uh, we're going to cover all that today. I'm excited, Jace, to see what you have for us. So feeling good. Uh, Nick Riley, how are you? Looking sharp, my friend? Oh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, going well. Going well. Looking forward to this as well. I know you covered the um, the seven ways to ruin your business a few weeks ago. So <laughs> if you are unlucky enough to have picked off one of those seven this is telling you when to cut loose so um this is a great follow-up so i'm looking forward to jace sharing this how are you jace you got some more sun on the weekend rosie again i oh, just 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 try just trying to keep the sun alive before we uh hit the winter months here in melbourne australia and um are you putting on sunscreen i'm getting a bit worried are you getting browner or browner always sunscreen i had Good. my skin checkup the other day so just uh, if you, you, you know, do know 15 plus doesn't cut it anymore what do you mean the oil the oil stuff that you know the <laughs> yeah. stuff that smells like coconut and oh, yeah. burn and yeah, yeah it's yeah, got yeah. something in it that protects you no it's, no it's, uh, it's gone it's gone beyond slip slop slap though hasn't it like, isn't there some more stuff now oh, it's just straight out slap now I think straight to it <laughs> it's just slap <laughs> you've been watching Chris Rock straight out slap from Will Smith it's doing the rounds at the moment anyway I saw he's got go something there. on Netflix at the moment is it any good yeah 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 awesome I watched it live when it was in Melbourne and they made you put your phone inside like basically a sophisticated Ziploc bag that stopped you from filming the show or recording anything. And then as you leave, it was at Margaret Court Arena, as you leave, there's a little like station where you got to kind of dock the bag back in and it releases your phone out. But it was like, it was actually incredible to be at an event with, you know, 10, 20,000 people who couldn't be on their phones like to actually watch people have to have conversations with each other before it started and to have people actually enjoy a show without taking their phones out to video it or, you know, whatever. Um, it was quite a surreal experience as opposed to seeing the Ed Sheeran concert. It was just like being back in the 80s, Jase. Yes, Marty, we might uh, get some special comments from you later on what that was like. <laughs> no, no. Um, today, guys, I will segue back into what we're here for. Who are we sponsored by, Jace? Good, good, good one for future advisory today when it comes to when it's time to shut down your business. And as we said off the back of Marty's episode a little while ago about how to destroy your business, we hope that nobody has done it. But if they have, um, this is what we're going to talk about. So today's episode will be brought to you by Future Advisory. A um, little plug for, you know, if you're out there, you know, you've got a business or, you know, your personal personal tax affairs and you feel like things aren't in control, you're not hearing from your accountant or you don't feel comfortable picking up the phone and calling, um, that's what the team at Future Advisory are there for. They love a relationship. They love communication. So check them out, futureadvisory.com.au, and we'll be happy to welcome you to the future family. Um, as we're saying, though, today – Today's episode is around when is it time to shut down your business and what are some of the telltale signs, what are some things that can be going on, you know, and this is probably a good time for reflection too. We're coming into the ninth, depending on when this drops, we're in the ninth month of the financial year. There's a couple of months to go and quite often this is the time of the year where we're about to start sitting down with business owners and doing the review of the year so far. We forecast out what the next few months will look like. And we kind of show the business owner, here's what the 12 months of 2023 financial year will look like for you. 
And as part of tax planning, we then go down the flight path of going, look, you've made this much money. Here's how much tax you're going to pay. If you decide you want to make some changes now, you can spend some money, bring forward expenses, pull pull in some income if you need to, put some money in super if it's tax effective uh, and not going to be costing 30 cents to the dollar, as we heard a few episodes ago as well. Um, all those kind of things. But also sometimes at this time of year, what we find in that reflection time is business owners look at their business and go, is this business serving me? Has it actually become the thing that I dreamt it was going to become? And is it, you know, helping my family achieve its goals? Or am I stressed? Am I tired? Am I burnt out? And am I hating the business that I created? So some of those things that we see as an early sign of businesses that are starting to fail and, you know, when it may be time to shut down. And this one's, you know, a real simple one to think about. If you're in a business that sells goods or services, one of the number one things that you want to make sure is happening is word of mouth referrals. So when you talk about a word of mouth benefit, it's when people buy great products or have good experiences, they go and tell other people. Now, if you think about your business today, is are any of your customers telling people about your goods or services? And that would be the first thing you need to look at and do a bit of reflection on and go, well, when was the last time I got a referral? Well, when was the last time somebody said, you know, Sarah bought my bought this and she told me I had to come and get one too. What do you guys think of that? I mean, reflecting back on Innovate, um, you know, you guys got any thoughts on number one, word of mouth benefit and word of mouth referrals? Yeah. Well, this is the one that resonated with me the most because um, we are a referral-based business and traditionally have been and we since uh, well, more recently pivoted to um, a digital marketing strategy as well. But both of those... I guess marketing exercises are extremely expensive and um, and hurt our margin. So for us, where do we get our margin? It's when that client that was brought in, uh, whether it was digital marketing or whatnot, then refers another client and another client and another client. So mm-hmm. you know, we spend a good chunk of our margin in generating business and where we get the upside on our margin is business that we don't pay for, uh, which yeah. you know, the longer we are around – uh, the higher percentage of our volume is organic and people that just hear about us. So for me, it's huge. And I, I actually couldn't imagine paying for every single client, uh, whether it through a referral partner or a marketing cost. So yeah, that really resonated with me. Yeah, that, it's, it certainly, it's certainly one of the, I think, one of the most important things in business. Are people moving towards your product or are they initially moving towards it, then moving away? And I think uh, word of mouth, I always used to think, what are people saying about the business at the barbecue or to mm-hmm. their friends? Are they saying, you know, yeah, they're going, you just got to talk to this this business because they do such a great job, you know, and they'll tell family members about it. They'll tell the circle of influence. So to me, there's, there's something about that that's unique. If you're always having to chase that business consistently rather than and and someone once said you know you create a great habit and the habit works for you i feel like that in business you create a great brand until the brand works for you and people start to become attracted to that brand and start coming to you that's when you really know you've got something if you haven't got that and you have the odd sale and it then dies from that point there's no momentum in regards to the process of growth. And that's something that I've found 
to be really beneficial over the years. And I think of it for a value play. If I can create enough value for that person and that person wants to share that benefit with someone else, then it creates value for everyone. It's a win-win-win scenario. But I think this is the the key fundamentals to growth, but it's also the key fundamental to if you haven't got that traction and you're just finding it very hard, then maybe, just maybe, the product isn't sufficient and maybe the business isn't sufficient and you have to change course. And look, we're talking about the four four things today that could cause you to cut your losses and shut down your business, and that, that is definitely one of them. The next one leads on from that. It's kind of related, but kind of also not. Um, lack of sales. So sales dictate the strategy of all your product success. And so no sales, no future. Pretty, pretty clear, right? But I'll expand on it a little bit more. Let's imagine you are going to start a restaurant and you've invested heavily into marketing, training up your team, you know, launch party, you open the restaurant. And for the first week, people are excited. They come in, everybody dines at your restaurant. Then a few weeks later, the bookings aren't continuing to flow. You may not have had the word of mouth benefit that we talked about in point number one and your sales, there's no more sales, your lack of sales, you, you know, your income's not coming in and it all dries up. That's the restaurant example. Maybe in professional services, you've, you've launched and started catering to some people. And again, not getting sales coming through the door. That's another clear sign that your business may not be working and it may be time to cut your losses and shut down. If you don't have sales, the next thing the strategy becomes, how much money do I have to invest into digital marketing or networking, all these different things to then grow my sales? So no sales, a pretty, pretty clear indication that there's probably something vitally wrong with the business. I would add to that in regards to, um, I've, I've told people to shut down their businesses based on the fact that it might have been a great idea in theory, but it's just not relative to the market. The market's not buying. And one that springs to mind was um, a mother mentor, which I actually love the idea, new mm. mums getting support, widely needed, um, but just people weren't prepared to pay for it. And and I think if you've got a pain point like the restaurant idea, you've got to come in with, all right, well, what's the strategy to solve the pain point? Is there a strategy? Is it the food that's a problem? Yeah, is mm. it something that you can handle to create an upside? But if you address those problems and create new strategy about it and it's and it's the same result and you're not getting momentum, then you know, it's not just to say it's not working and you shut it down. Go try and resolve the pain point best you can. Um, get some help to try and do that. Test it, test it, uh, but it gets to a point where you go, you're just going to run out of oxygen. You don't want to throw bad money after, uh, you know, after more bad money. So, yeah, really good. These all kind of uh, interconnected and flow together, but the next one is whether you get repeat purchases from existing clients. So a lot of businesses can have one-off transactions and that's fine. But if you've got a business where you're going to be relying on people coming back to use your service again, and whether that's, you know, the cafe where you go and buy your regular coffee all the time or the mortgage broking business where, you know, as soon as you've moved up and you're ready to remortgage your home or buy an investment property, you want to make sure that you've got repeat customers and your existing customers are happy to come back to you. Um, if you don't have that, then quite often um, you're going to end up sales dry up again and you've got that lack of word of mouth referral point of view. But yeah, re repeat purchases. I mean, how important would you say that is for, for your business guys, if you know, repeat customers? Yeah, well, 
back to my previous point. They're they're the customers that we don't pay for, and that's and that's where the margins are. Uh, it also validates what we're doing. Like if we're yeah. not, if clients are not coming back to us, then we're doing something wrong. Um, you know, and you've either got the wrong product or your service isn't good enough. Um, so for me, yeah, that's a uh, that's a real red light issue. If clients choose to go elsewhere after using your service, that's that's a real problem and um, something you probably need to fix. Um, if you can't fix it, then maybe you go and do something else. Yeah, yeah. and for me, it's about collaborative value. If uh, if you're going to service clients over the long term and you're looking after them and they see the value in that to want to buy again, and I guess this works differently in every industry. It might be a digital play. It might be, you know, face-to-face service, whatever the case may be. But to me, it's a collaborative value. If I'm continuing to demonstrate value to them as uh, clients and people and being, you know, being of great service, then they'll continue to invest back into myself and our business. And that to me, a lot of people forget that. And even like people would always joke around because I spent a lot of time uh, on the initial client appointment because I'm really getting to understand that client for the next 10 to 15 years. And a lot of people will go through a rote transaction um, just to get the transaction. But for me, it's about I understand the value of this collaboration from from the start. So I will spend time, get to know the people, making sure you understand their goals, deliver on those goals and again and do that time and time again because, again, it's it's – it's a great way to just yeah, build great value for all parties. And look, this is probably the big one, guys, and there's a little bit more that we can unpack in this, but a lot of the times, whether we start working with a new client or, you know, somebody's come back to us and and things in their business have changed, unprofitable business model. Now, if you've got small margins and there's pricing things that have changed in your suppliers and who you purchase your goods from. If your rent's gone up, your wage costs have gone up, all these different things, and all of a sudden you've got unsustainable losses where you know you can can no longer afford to keep funding the business to lose money because you're no longer selling a profitable service or a profitable product. That's probably one of the biggest ones that we see is that people continue to sell goods without understanding their margins. And they may see their top line gross profit and see that it's it's positive and they're making money but then fail to take into consideration all the fixed and variable overheads that sit below the gross profit line before you get to your operating profit. And a lot of the time, by the time the business owner has figured out that they've over-invested or overspent in all these other areas and they're making losses, it's too late and they're unsustainable and it's very hard to claw back from there. The other one, which I've just kind of taken and the initiative to dive straight into, was the high overhead costs. A lot of the time, business owners, they start, they take out the expensive lease on, on a premises and they hire a bunch of employees and all of a sudden their their costs are fixed. They're too high to be sustained. And often it's really hard to undo that fast as well. Once you've committed to certain expenditure, there's a certain amount of time it takes to, you know, have that catch up effect where you realize how much you've kind of uh, signed up to and, and committed to spending. And by the time that catches up to you, you've realized you're not making any money. You've got unsustainable losses and an unprofitable business model. Great points there, Jace. I, I'll jump in on that because your business model, when it starts, can be profitable and you still have to be able to have the flexibility 
to adjust it down the track because your business can change and a lot of business owners feel obligated to original models that are set and I've been through that. A lot of business owners go through that as well. So, again, you still need to ensure that your business model is current given where your business is at. So you don't want to be profitable in the first three years, but then as the business grows, it's it's an old model that needs to be revamped. Um, and you shouldn't feel obligated because, again, you, you're always there to protect the business and the people of the business. So you have to address your business model every, every I think, every three years at least uh, just yep. to make sure it's still sustained, maybe even you know, sooner than that. So, But just be nimble with it because uh, if it's unprofitable, then it's only one way and that's down, which is not good. On that, and we've seen this many times, but if it's unprofitable and people don't make the change or be nimble as you've rightfully stated, Marty, you can just keep digging a bigger and bigger hole. And mm. you know, in in business, if you keep having bad years, you're you're pulling money from from lenders or you're investing money yourself, and it just becomes this snowball effect. And you get to a point where you you actually can't pull it back. And the issue then is when you're trying to pull it back because you've grabbed uh, debt from here and debt from somewhere else, then you have uh, cash flow issues because you're trying to repay debt. So you need to have a good lens on it early and say, okay, well, if we are going to have a year of uh, not being profitable because of um, you know seasonal conditions or it's a startup year, do we have a model that's going to help us claw that back? And you know we're not going to be relying on money from elsewhere because once you're behind, mm. it's very hard to peg it back. And then you need right. to ask yourself the question, should I be in business or what could I actually mm. earn as an employee? Mm. And we've had these conversations before on this podcast, but for some people – you can actually earn more money being an employee and letting someone else run with the business because they've got scale and economies of scale yeah. and efficiencies and whatnot. So I'm glad glad you touched on that, Nick, because one of the things I was going to point out was uh, one of the recent articles we did on Future Advisory site was what happens when a business gets into significant debt. And it kind of ties in with the, the things from this episode. But sometimes, you know, people might be thinking, well, hang on, how does a business, you know, get themselves in a position where they owe so much money or they don't realize they're making losses? But sometimes we well, and we can see it, we see it when businesses come to us where they're in some trouble, they've been referred in to have a chat. The ATO is often who they lean on for the first kind of pile of money that they can lean on to to kind of keep the business afloat. They're collecting GST. They've got pay-as-you-go withholding, which is the employee's money that's meant to go to the ATO for the tax withhold on wages and superannuation money that's meant to go to the super fund. It only takes a couple of quarters of not paying those things, but there's cash in the bank. So so the business owner is using that cash to keep the business moving. And then that's usually how you end up with cash flow management issues and then not being able to pay debts. And that's when, you know, you realize you're in, in a bit of strife. Some of the main things that we see with poor cash flow management is not putting aside that money for the ATO. Um, businesses overextend credit terms. So where they are working, um, where they're giving credit to customers, they're letting them go 30, 60, 90 days rather than trying to bring forward the payments for themselves. They have unexpected expenses that they weren't budgeting for, but they have to cop them and inefficient operations. So article, we can find it. But one of the things that happens, you know, when you do get into a significant amount of debt is that you have to look at your options of how do I get out and how do I shut down my business? And just on the practical side of shutting down a company, if you've got to a point where you go, you know what, this sounds a bit like me. It's not my thing anymore. I've got to wind up my company and get out, get out of it. If you have less than a thousand dollars worth of assets, 
and no liabilities, that is the only time you can voluntarily deregister your own company with ASIC. And it costs $48 or something like that. So if you're not that person, and, and most of the time, there's not a lot of companies that we, you know, can go and approach and they've got less than $1,000 of assets and zero liabilities. Usually these companies that are ready to shut down, they've, they've racked up quite substantial liabilities. This is then where, you know, we've got earlier episodes where we talked about the small business restructure. That's generally for businesses that are going to continue operating and the ATO will strike a deal through the small business restructure regime to help a business owner, you know, get on top of everything and, and have another crack. And beyond that, you're looking at liquidation or voluntary administration. And if unfortunately for that business owner, there's a bit of personal stuff tied into that, then you're looking at personal bankruptcy as well, which unfortunately, these are all the things that you've got to be aware of as a director of a company or as a business owner, you're taking on risk. And with risk comes some of these unfortunate things. Oh, yeah, well said. And I think like in personal circumstances, they say there's good debt and bad debt. And I think in business, you know, good debt is buying assets that's going to generate more money and more profitability, ultimately uh, put the company in a position of strength. But one thing I'd see in the business banking uh, side of things is, uh, you know, overdrafts continue to increase on their limits and almost almost having debt replace revenues and, you know, and to run the business on the premise of the business is going to be okay in the future. And you can see that slippery slope happening. You see it in the consumer world with credit cards and people overspending, but you see it in businesses as well. And you just see those debt levels continue to increase to compensate for the lack of revenues and profitability. And if that's happening, uh, the writing's on the wall. You have to turn things around really quickly. Like you said, people have been uh, siphoning off uh, cash off that tax debt uh, recently, which is not good business practice at all. I know the debt was lower, but it's not good business management. Um, it's it's better to control your revenues and control your profitability and your cash flows um, and not get yourself into that predicament as well. And sometimes you just gotta you just gotta shut it down. Um, what's um, in regards to and Jace, you might be able to answer this, like. Is there any other – like you say, you've got to liquidate. Is it a costly procedure to liquidate and how can you be a company director again if you've gone bankrupt and had personal bankruptcy? What's the time frame of being able to operate a company again? Now you, if you have a liquidation or voluntary administration and it's purely – businesses fail and, and that's okay. I mean, as a director, as long as you haven't done anything negligent, fraudulent, you haven't deliberately gone out of the way to, you know, do the ATO out of their money or a bank out of their money, for example, and it's just a simple failed business venture. Um, a liquidation with a, an insolvency specialist can be, you know, 10, 15 grand for the basic small business. Um, the more complicated ones, you know, they ramp up and it's, you know, tens of thousands from there, depending on the size and scale of the business will depend on the size and scale of the, the fee to the insolvency specialist, whether that's a liquidation or a voluntary administration and a few of those things. Like for example, a deed of company arrangement is where an insolvency specialist will take over running that business. They'll do deals with the ATO and suppliers and creditors to get all the, you know, the, um, the amounts of money due down to a manageable amount or written off. And then they'll hand the directorship back to the director once they're done sorting out that company. So there's plenty of different op options. And if you are the director of a failed company, you can go and set up another company and have another crack down the track. And this is where 
the ATO and the government have brought in director IDs because there was a lot of um, like Phoenix activity where company directors were running up debts in a company, letting it kind of get shut down, liquidated, wound up, you know, owing tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars to the ATO. And then what do you know? There's another company over here with that same director doing the same thing again. So what director ID is hoping to do is to keep tabs on the directors that have had this happen over and over and over again. Um, but yeah, it's where you get personally done for bankruptcy. That's where you've got, uh, I think it's something like seven years or an extended period of time where you can't be a company director again. I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but yeah, there's a big difference between as a director of a company that gets liquidated, if you haven't been found to be you know, negligent, fraudulent, or involved in any way, apart from a purely failed business venture, as opposed to, um, you know, there's directors that have drawn hundreds of thousands of dollars from a, from a company, for example. And then when the insolvency specialist has to go after that business owner to say, give me the money back so I can pay superannuation and the ATO bill, it's when that director then goes, sorry, the cash is all gone. That's when they go then for personal bankruptcy to go after their house and their assets and things like that. So it can get quite complicated and I thought it was seven years across the board, but obviously not. If the director's not doing the wrong thing, um, then, yeah, it's different. different scenario there. Look, if you do find yourself in an area where you do want to talk to an expert, we can definitely uh, point you in the direction of some serious uh, specialists. But before that, don't let yourself get there and make sure you've got good advisors on your side and also uh, good brokers because getting access to money and the right kind of debt can help you get ahead in business too. So there's always good debt and bad debt. So make sure you know the difference between them and uh, yeah, have good people on your side. And you could be a great acquisition target. So yeah, don't give up. Until next time. Game over.